Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner, and thank you for joining me again this week. On this week's show, I'm going to continue my talk about the 21 success secrets of self-made millionaires. Say that fast a couple of times by Brian Tracy. And uh, last week I started and this week I've got a couple more tips from it and I want to talk about it. I also, you know, had uh, some really nice messages from people this week and I want to go over that and some situations. And then lastly, a dumb is real. I'm down in Florida this week and I'm broadcasting from um, a uh, kind of an intensive I'm doing with one of our businesses and we're partners down here and working on, you know, the plan for the next year and uh, some just funny, dumb stuff happened. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So hope your week is going well. Uh, I got a really great um, text message this morning from Thomas, my friend Thomas or Tommy Ryan. And I, I it really meant a lot to me. He came to my Blue Collar University and, you know, we part of my Blue Collar University is we do a, an exercise called your perfect day. So basically, it's what it looks like when when you when things are going right, when when you're living your best life, when you've put things in place and you're realizing them and your life is turning out the way you planned on purpose, not on accident. And uh, he sent me a he's out hunting, you know, and, and that was we di- actually didn't get to do the perfect day exercise with him. We got into some things and I think we ran out of time. But, uh, you know, he he sent me a message. He's out on a hunt. He's hunting Arizona mule deer deer. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful sunrise. And, you know, he was just thankful. He was being very much in the moment. He was very much realizing how fortunate he is. And, and he reached out and thanked me and a couple other people for, you know, just giving him information to act on and, and guidance. And, and, and it really just, it started my day so great. And I really, um, I love seeing him happy like that. He was truly happy. You know, this time of year, a lot of times people are really stressed or tired everybody's going through a lot of stuff and this guy looked happy. And uh, if you're listening, uh, Thomas and Jake, I I appreciate you guys and so happy to see you guys uh, living your best life. Um, Another thing happened later today, which was interesting was I get a text. I'm at dinner. I get a text and uh, this girl that works for us in the chimney or in the chocolate company, she had just come on right at, um, right at our busy time around, around Christmas and really sweet girl. And, you know, she had worked at Starbucks before and then she came to work for us. And, um, you know, she said, Hey, I'm, I need to turn in my two weeks notice. I got to quit. Um, I like working for you guys, but it's just, I've got too many things going on. It's too much stress. And, you know, I, I just, I need to go. You guys have been the best boss I've ever had, but I can't handle the stress and I, I need to, I need to give my two weeks notice. And so I immediately called our pastry chef and I said, Hey, is there something we can do? Is there something wrong? And she goes, No, I think it's, you know, it's more personal stuff. It really hasn't to do with a job. It's, it's just, you know, she needs to do something else. And, and so I was fine. So I text back. So me and my daughter and the pastry chef manager are on the same text thread. And, and I 
texted the girl back, but in that thread. And I said, Hey, um, I, I hate to hear that you're leaving us. Uh, I, I really appreciate you, you know, thank you for joining our little, our little team and, uh, you were great and I understand you've got to go do something else. If there's anything you need from me, let me know. And also, you know, we're a growing thing. And if you're, if your life changes and you want to come back, you know, please, please let us know. Almost immediately, my daughter sends a response back to her. And it says almost the same thing, like the whole total same vibe of, hey, we we hate to hear you go. We really appreciate you. We're here for you. If you need anything, please let me know. And as a father and as a business person, to see that reflected right back instantly was just uncanny. And it made me proud. My daughter truly handles things in, in my opinion, the way I was handling it and, and in the right way to be supportive of people that aren't with you anymore. She didn't do anything wrong. It's just wrong timing. Her life changes. And, you know, we wish her well. And it was it, the best part was just to see my daughter react in the exact same way, almost at the same time. And I just for a dad, it was a, a proud moment for me. So this week, I'm continuing on with the secrets of being so, of self-made millionaires and now, like I said last week, I read this book a long time ago, and it's so relevant and so many good things, and it's always good. I I read my books over and over sometimes, you know, throughout the years, because I, I probably started really reading about, gosh, it's almost 20 years ago now, so I've read close to a thousand business books and and listened to, gosh, hundreds of podcasts and and hundreds of books on, on audio. I probably, probably now listen to as many books on audio as I have read, but um, also, you know, another thing about Thomas Ryan today, he's like, Hey, I've got a long drive back. What books do you recommend? And to me, those are all, you know, success leaves clues, right? And that those are the traits of success, working hard, um, being thankful, being grateful, realizing when you are successful and then, Hey, what else, can, what's next? What else can I do? Those are the those are the signs. Those are the traits that, you know, if you're not doing them and you're not successful, that's what successful people do. Hey, what's next? What do I need to be better at? What can you help me with? You know, today uh, I'm also in another group um, and uh, of of entrepreneurs, and you know, one of the ladies in the group, um, you know, she. Her business just got evaluated at a hundred million dollars and it was a huge up, uptick, but she's done all of the hard work and she's gone through a lot of things. And, and to see, um, to see that come through for her is just amazing. I mean, she, she was already a big business and then she becomes a huge business. And for me, and you know, a lot of people in the group are like, okay, she's got some answers to some questions. So let's make sure we ask her questions. She's kind of a softer spoken person, by no means like a whimper. And she's tough, but she's she's really, you know, introspective. But man, when she talks, she's got some really good points, obviously. And I was so happy to 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 hear of her good news. So let's talk. Let's play some clips, a couple of the clips from the um, 21 success secrets of Self-made millionaires. Success secret number 20. 
never consider the possibility of failure. The fear of failure is the greatest single obstacle to success in adult life. Note that it is not failure itself. Failure makes you stronger and more resilient and more determined. It's the fear of failure or the anticipation of failure that can paralyze you and hold you back from even trying to do the things you need to do to be a big success. A young journalist once asked Thomas J. Watson Sr., the founder of IBM, how he could be more successful faster. Watson replied with these wonderful words. He said, if you want to be successful faster, you must double your rate of failure. Success lies on the far side of failure. Dare to go forward. Self-made millionaires are not gamblers, but they're always willing to take calculated risks in the direction of their goals to achieve greater rewards. In fact, your attitude toward risk-taking is probably the most important indicator of your readiness to become wealthy. Whenever you are faced with a risky situation, ask yourself this question. What is the worst possible thing that could happen if I go ahead? Then, you should do as J. Paul Getty, the self-made oil billionaire, suggested, and make sure that whatever it is, it doesn't happen. The fact is that everyone is afraid of failure. Everyone is afraid of loss and poverty. Everyone's afraid of making a mistake and being set back. But self-made millionaires are those who consciously and deliberately face this fear and take action anyway. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, Make a habit throughout your life of doing the things you fear. If you do the thing you fear, the death of fear is certain. When you act boldly, unseen forces will come to your aid. And every act of courage increases your courage and capacity for the future. Whenever you take action in a forward direction with no guarantees of success, your fears diminish and your courage and self-confidence increases. You eventually reach the point where you are not afraid of anything. You eventually reach the point where you become unstoppable. Perhaps the best line from the movie Apollo 13 came from Eugene Krantz, head of space control at NASA, played by Ed Harris. When everyone was starting to think about losing the spacecraft and the astronauts, he pulled them all together by announcing in a loud voice that failure is not an option. Your job is to commit to becoming a self-made millionaire. Your job is to set specific goals for yourself, write them down, and work on them every day. And especially, you must continue to remind yourself in the face of all the problems and difficulties that you will experience that failure is not an option. This is the attitude that more than anything else will guarantee your long-term success and will guarantee that you become a self-made millionaire. So, you know, I mostly agree with that. I'd have to say I probably, I don't ever never consider the possibility of failure. So that was kind of the one thing I don't totally agree with, but I'm not afraid of it either. I mean, totally, in the in the sense that you're not afraid that it'll, you know, I'll, it'll ruin me. Now there are, you know, I'm taking some big risks right now and I'm doing some other things that, you know, I guess if everything goes to hell, yeah, I, I, you could ruin you. But I, you know, at the same time, they're calculated, they're well thought out. They are overall good moves when you ever, you know, everything is a risk almost every time 
Almost every time I've taken a big risk, some big thing has jumped up to smack me down and make it seem like my worst fears were coming true. I mean, literally almost every time, every time. I mean, when I made the first move, I shouldn't say the first move. When I made the second big move in my chimney business, which was uh, to move into a building out of my house, um, that went okay, but I was just struggling to make rent and everything. But then when I made the next big move into a 5,000 square foot facility, I spent all my money to get in there. And then, uh, and then that was 2007 and 2007 and eight is when the big crash happened. And I literally, um, you know, went back to working by myself and I was in a huge building with six trucks. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I did made this big risk and here everything collapsed. In 2012, when we moved into our new building, or the building I'm in now, it was all like, it's like a, it's like a 17,000 square foot facility. Moved in there and that was 2012. Again, spent all my money to get moved in, in the spring and summer, when the spring, when that's our slower time, especially summer can be slow. But as long as it rains, it's no big deal because we have a ton of work with, you know, leaky chimneys. Well, sure enough, biggest drought on in history in, in the Middle Tennessee area. We had a quarter inch of rainfall uh, over a three month period with record high temperatures. Nobody needed anything done on their chimney. My guys couldn't work in that kind of heat. We didn't have much work. No new work came in because it wasn't raining. And I was literally just dying on the vine after I spent all my money to get in, you know, into the facility. You know, fast forward, we made a big move on the chocolate business. I I bought some buildings. I spent a lot of time, a couple of years going to schools, doing all the stuff. We we buy the chocolate company. We finally grand open on February 5th, 2020. We grand closed on our well, whatever with the start of the pandemic was uh, 2019. And then we had to close March of the same year. Like one month later, we closed it back down because the pandemic. Like, so that being said, I'm real familiar with move, making a move and it not working out right off the bat. But every time, you know, you stay with it and you just get, you know, the fear, the fear of failure kind of goes away. You're like, yeah, it could go bad for us. It could go real bad. We could lose everything. We could go backwards, but we know how to do it again. And I think that's the most important part of, uh, you know, that failure is not an option. You know, it, it, that's the easiest thing to do is to pull back and be afraid of failure. And, and I mean, like even on a small, a small note, my, and that's why the business owners and the bosses are the business owners and the bosses versus the employees a lot of times because of the fear of failure. Like I was in a meeting with a guy and he has a really good team and he's in a, a, a whole, diff, whole different business. But they were coming up with these shirt, this, these T-shirt ideas for to sell online with this this business he's worth and and, and uh, most they're all employees he's the owner but he's like hey you know i don't know how to pay you guys for this i don't know how to do it what if we just all split the cost of all the shirts we're gonna buy like 500 or a thousand shirts and why don't we just split it down the middle everybody put their money in and we sell them um you know we split the money and and then they're like well what if we don't sell them he's like well you lose the money like if we don't sell these like we think we will 
you know, you're going to, you might lose some money. And then all, all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm interested in that. But you know, when he was going to put it out there, say, we'll sell shirts and split the money. They're all about it. But when they, when there was risk involved and they had to put their money forward and could lose their money, that's when it all changed. And that's the difference a lot of times between entrepreneurs and, and people that are employees. And again, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either side of it because entrepreneurs lose more than employees do as far as the downside. You know, the employees have a, a set level and, you know, my wife was an employee for 30 plus years and she liked that stability and it was very, very good for our family and it was very good for a lot of things. That stability of being an employee at a good place is a very good thing. I, I'm a testament to that. It also allowed me to be a, a different kind of entrepreneur because, you know, there was a base level of security there. So, you know, I, I say some things, but I also know that there I have some base level securities. I had some, you know, some good decisions and some abilities to to move through. And and, you know, plus I probably took most of my risks once my kids were were already, um, you know, well and grown kids almost. So the next point is about being decisive. And I think, you know, if I look at traits that I see in most people that are successful, they are very decisive. Um, you can see it as easy as when you go to a restaurant, how fast they can decide on what to eat, um, how fast they decide to do something. Um, if they hear something, they're moving forward on it almost immediately. And they they give very little, not that they give little thought, but they give um, they don't pause too much. Now, sometimes it's, you know, ready, aim, ready, fire, aim, as they say. And, you know, you can really go, that's it. Let's go. Boom. And then you should have thought about it more. So, but in general, they move far more than they don't move. So I'm going to play the clip about being decisive and action oriented. Success secret number 19, be decisive and action oriented. One of the marks of self-made millionaires is that they think carefully and then they make decisions quickly. They discipline themselves to take action and to carry out the decisions they have made. They move fast and they get quick feedback from their actions. If they find they've made a mistake, they quickly self-correct and try something else. The key to triumph is for you to try. Successful people are decisive and they try far more things than the average person. By the law of probabilities, the law of averages, if you try far more different ways to be successful, the odds are that you will find the right way for you at the right time. Unsuccessful people, on the other hand, are indecisive. They know that they should do or stop doing certain things, but they don't have the character or the willpower to make firm decisions. As a result, they drift through life, never happy, never fulfilled, never particularly successful. They never become wealthy or achieve financial independence. They end up settling for far less than is truly possible for them. But when you become decisive and action-oriented, you shift your entire life into high gear. You get far more done in a day than the average person. You move ahead far faster than the people around you. You actually tap into a higher source of energy, enthusiasm, and motivation that fills you full of joy and acceleration. This energy propels you forward even faster towards your goals. Ask yourself this. 
what one action, if I did it immediately, could have the greatest positive impact on my results? Whatever your answer is to that question, at any time, just do it. Success. So, I mean, how action-oriented are you? Uh, are you... You know, it's funny. He said, think carefully and then act quick. I have to say, I'm not always the most careful thinker uh, before I do something. Um, but uh, I do I do believe in my gut feeling about something and I do act on it. And again, sometimes I've been totally wrong. I've been wrong about people, wrong about situations, wrong about if I should do something or not. Um you know, I went forward with something and I missed some critical step of it. But sometimes you just can't think of everything until you get in it. You know, like you look backwards and, and you backward tie it together and you're like, oh, yeah, you should have thought of that. Well, that's easy to do. And um, but, you know, I just not how I'm wired. And so I'm wired to move. I'm wired to, you know, try something new, good or bad. And then. I'll either mark it up as a story that we I tell you on a podcast or I mark it up as a success and I go, hey, this is this this worked and hopefully somebody can learn from it. So, you know, I, I think his point about moving fast and uh, being action oriented is probably the number one thing when people come through my blue car university. And we look at what they're doing and what they shouldn't have done or what they should do. Most of the time, they're just not moving fast enough. Now, not everybody, but a lot of times they just think too much. They, you know, they have too much fear. Uh, something's in the way. The team's not aligned. And so it, it ends up being something they don't move on and then it's gone. Um, so, you know, the uh, the one thing that I'm forgetting Oh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say that one thing that for sure a lot of entrepreneurs have done is tried a lot of things. And I'm one of them. I have tried a lot of things. The majority of things didn't work. You know, I've gone over before, but, you know, I, you know, I've tried multi-level marketing things. I have tried pressure washing business. I have tried vending business. You know, our first chocolate business did not do well. It, it got us going the right path, but it was the wrong format. You know, all kinds of things like that over and over. Tried things, failed, tried things, failed. Um, but, you know, you you learn from every failure. You also become less afraid of failure. Uh, the one bad thing is you can get too distracted and think you can start too many things. That's the other side of this coin. I was talking to an entrepreneur this week and you know, we, you know, I'd talked to him quite a bit and he just got, he was getting going in chimneys, but he, he had a couple other businesses before this one. And then, you know, he, he bought a new business kind of on a whim. It looked good and boom, he's in a completely different business, similar to Airbnb, but it wasn't that. And, and, you know, I, I was, he contacted me and said, Hey, um, you know, I'm thinking about buying this business. What do you think? And almost before I could kind of understand what the business was, I get a text back and goes, Hey, uh, I already bought the business. It just happened. It, it went through. So, you know, there was no contemplating now you're in it. And so let's go. But when I was thinking about it, I'm like, man, I, 
I would prefer you to stay focused on your one new business and really get it going and get that thing on fire and then move to the next business. If I could say anything, that was one of my biggest failures early was I had so many things going early that I didn't have good control of anything. So nothing was going as fast as it could have if I'd stayed a little more focused. And I see that happening with with some chimney guys that are really starting to go. Their time is getting pulled in a lot of other ways, and they're taking those those risks. And I'm not going to tell you not to, but I can tell you if you can really get the one thing on fire before you move to the next, do it. But moving is just part. It's in your blood. If you've got to do it, you've got to do it. So those are a couple more success secrets. Gosh, I can't say it, but um, I may, I may continue this one more week and then uh, just kind of wrap it up. But uh, it's been a good, it's been a good series and I've gotten some nice feedback from it. So let's go into this week's dumb is real. So I'm in Florida. We, um, we rented a house to do this kind of summit and uh, the company that, uh, you know, I'm part of is called Surefire and we do online training. And so we're down here kind of planning out our year. And, you know, and so we found this house down here on this canal and it was on VRBO and it looked really beautiful. It looked good. It looked like a great place, really good price. And we, we get here and Man, they took the pictures at all the right angles because this place is not anything like it looked like in the ads. We were fish, we were uh, what's it called, catfished. And uh, the dumbest real part is that we're like, wow, this looks really nice and it's cheap. Man, we found a great deal. You know, shame on us. Uh, the pictures, you know, of the canal were facing one direction, which is pretty when you look one way. When you look the other way, it's the end of the canal and all the trash is floating up and all of the crap is in the water and the house is pretty dated. And, you know, and it's just like there's construction right on the road by where our, the deck is. There's really no place comfortable to sit outside. We came to Florida so we could, you know, be out in the weather, be in the sun, have a summit. It looked like you could sit on this dock in this canal and it looked nice. And what a great place to kind of hang out and and game plan. It's not that at all. There's no shade. It's at the end of a canal. It's full of trash. It's all the chairs are rickety. The deck is kind of rickety. Uh, You can't get away from the sun. And so we're, we work at, it was, we're calling it the, the Surefire Slummit of 2022 instead of the Surefire Summit. So we're slumming it. And so we're taking pictures. We are actually making the most of it to, uh, to go, okay, we won't do that again. But, you know, we were looking forward to, you know, one of my guys is from Vermont and he couldn't wait to get to Florida to get the, to the warm weather. And here we are just, it's, it's just funny. So, uh, that was, that was my dumb is real for VRBO. And, and us being dumb, thinking we're getting a better deal. We, we should have known better. Everything else that looked nice was a lot more expensive. This thing was such a bargain, and now we know why. So shame on us. All right, guys, that's my time. I hope you guys have a good week. I look forward to coming to you next week, and we'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.